0: Good morning, my name is Steve Hammis and uh, welcome this morning. I'm one of the small group leaders here with my wife, Karen, and on the elder board as well. And today we are in our third week of our series, All You Need Is Love. And it's based on 1 Corinthians 13, which you might be familiar with. You might have heard at a wedding, love is patient, love is kind, and all those things that they charge with a couple at a wedding. Um, but Ed started our series off and uh, he was talking about love and the world's love and how that works versus God's love. And he, he just kind of said, you know, love is an emotion or a feeling. It's an action when we look at it from God's perspective. And the world always looks at it as emotions and feelings. And he shared with us that Scripture says there's three characteristics of being a Christian. is faith, hope, and love. And that the greatest of those is love. And then last week, Pastor Greg shared from the same chapter, verses 4 and 5. And, and Greg shared with what love is and what love isn't. And if you remember, he, he shared that scripture that's so familiar with, love is patient, love is kind, it's not rude, it's not jealous or easily angered. But he also shared that we can't do it on our own, and he explained that we really need to receive God's love. So this week we're going to take a week a look at verses 6 and 7. If you want to open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13, 6 and 7. I thought we'd just start by reading these together, and then we'll dig into it. So, I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and it says, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You know, this has been an interesting couple of weeks that I've been chewing on this whole concept of love, and, and we've had some great discussions in our small group. And the other night we were talking, and, and it came up, this whole idea, and you might have heard it before, the 13-inch drop. It's where something you know in your head, but it has to drop that 13 inches into your heart. And I realized I know a lot about love in the head sense, but a lot of it hasn't dropped down into my heart yet. And I only understand it one way. I remember the first time that Pastor Ed told me that he loved me. (laughs) So we were talking on the phone, had a conversation, and as we hung up, he goes, love you, Stevie. And and I didn't know what to say, I just said, yeah and and we hung up, and it was it was weird um i I know love from receiving and giving love to my parents and my siblings, and then my wife and my children, but I don't go to guys and tell them that I love you that That was just strange, totally out of my comfort zone. Do I have a great friendship? Yes, but love mm, I don't know. So as we spend more time learning about the way that Jesus loves, I realize. And walking this out in day-to-day, you know where those three characteristics, faith, hope, and love, the Bible says that that's what they are. So I'm supposed to love people. But I tease that I don't really like people. So how am I supposed to love them? So really, God, am I supposed to really love the guy who cuts me off in traffic and cuts other people off and he has no regard for other people's lives? Or the rude waitress who doesn't even say hi? Or the customer service rep who I'm standing there three feet away from them and they won't even acknowledge that I'm there. Or the school board member who thinks that they have all the answers and all the parents, they treat them like children. Or the politician who doesn't have a clue and they're doing everything wrong, making all the wrong decisions and they're proud and arrogant. Or the person at the concert who stands in front of me with their phone up through the whole concert and I can't see the stage or the family member who's condescending and mean, or the uncle who we all know is abusing his wife, or the teenager who talks to me like I'm a bonehead because I don't know that an Instagram story disappears after a little bit. Really, God? Do I have to love all these people? And how? So as I was thinking about this whole concept of love, I told God I really want it to be three ways, if we could. I want it to be level one, level two, level three of love. Level one is where I don't have any feelings or emotions for you. Um, I'm just going to be nice and have basic goodness towards you. Level two is where I will have some emotions and some feelings for like my friends. And level three is where I'll have the most emotions and the most amount of feelings for people like my wife and my family. And I want to just classify people. It's like, I love you level one. You're level two. You're level three. And I I really wanted it to to be as simple as that because I get that. And I could operate in that. But that's not the way it is. But Pastor Greg shed some light on this last week, and it was very helpful. So Pastor Greg introduced us to three different kinds of love that are mentioned in the Bible. And there are really eight different kinds of love, and I'm going to bring on two more to make a list of five. So let's just cover these real quick, um, the different kinds of love. So there's Eros, which is a strong, passionate, sexual, romantic kind of love, the kind that you would have for your wife or your husband. And then there's filial love, which is affectionate love. There's no, there's no passion or sexual impulse at all. And this is the kind of love that you would have for your friends. And this is the kind of love that I realized that I actually have for Ed, and, and Ed has for me. And in the Bible, in Matthew 19, where they describe Jesus as a friend of sinners, this was the kind of love they were talking about was filial love. And when the Lord called his disciples friends, that was, the, that was the word that was used, is filial love. And the next type is storge love. And that's a familiar love. It's, it's a love that a family feels for each other, most known like a parent would feel for their child, where you can love your child and they can be totally screwing up and you can still love them. And that's a, that's a uh, storge love. Some examples in the Bible, Noah and his wife. He loved his wife and his sons and daughters and he got him onto the ark. There's Jacob, who absolutely loved his sons. There's Mary and Martha in the Gospels. They had their love for their brother Lazarus. And in the Bible, it says in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, just going to read this, it says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So this is the type of love that you and I as Christians in a church are called to have. And there's two more. There's pragma love. It comes from the word pragmatic, which is an enduring love. So you'll recognize it in an older couple. When they get married, they have eros and they have storge love. And it gets comfortable in that. But as they go through hardships and through time, they end up with pragma love, which is an enduring love. And you'll recognize those couples that have been through everything and they just have an enduring love. You can recognize that. And finally, there's agape love which is a universal, unconditional, selfless love for other people. This love cares more for others than for yourself. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross and and watching people put spikes in his wrists and into his feet, this is the type of love he had. He was more concerned and cared more about you and me than for himself. And this is what we're called to, and this is what God wants us to get us to, is agape love. So what I love about 1 Corinthians 13 is that it gives us some really practical ideas of how to love. And you know, really it boils down to it's really about making the right choice. When we come to a choice in interacting with somebody, it's making the right choice to love them the way that Jesus would. When that fork in the road comes, it's about making a decision and an action, just like Pastor Ed said. But when I step back and I look at it, I can love somebody actively and I can love somebody passively as well. Both are choices. I can reach out and do something with somebody or do something for somebody, or I can passively discipline myself not to do something to show love as well. We'll, I'll give you some examples of that. But both are choices. So Pastor Greg started, and he was talking about the things that love is and isn't. But I want to dive into our two verses and get into that. So our verses start with saying that love does not rejoice at injustice, but it rejoices with the truth. So I don't know how many of you guys, if you would be willing to admit it, you can admit it at home, but have known somebody that there was an injustice. And maybe I'll use an example, not to say that I've ever done this, (laughs) but maybe it's a friend or an acquaintance of yours that got passed over on a job offer or on a promotion and it was totally unjust. And inside you secretly said, good, good. For whatever reason, maybe it's that you're tired of hearing about how much money they make, or maybe they have a standard of living higher than yours and you secretly, good. And you know, the Bible says we can't do that. No matter what injustice there is, injustice in the world, we can't rejoice in that at all. It's not scriptural. Because what that really is, it's pride and it's envy, and that's not love. It tells us on the backside of the coin that if we do see truth and justice prevail, we're supposed to be rejoicing in those circumstances and happy about that. Next, it says that love bears all things. And the word bear used here is from a Greek word called stege, which means to cover or to conceal. And the back half of that explanation of that word is to conceal and to not make known. So when we walk this out in life and showing people God's love, it means that when we see their fault or their imperfections, we put a covering over it and we look over it and we don't see it. We ignore it. And we, uh, we don't make it known to other people. <clears throat> One commentary said that we wouldn't give any undue publicity to their faults or failures. We would bear with them patiently. So a lot of times when I come home from work and Karen and I have dinner together and we sit at the table, we talk about our day, as you guys probably do. And I'll bring up situations with customers or co-workers. And many times what I share is a situation where they had a fault. Or something that wasn't good about them rose to the surface, and I tell Karen, and I don't cover that. I expose it. And you know what? The thing that I realize is the reason that I do that is because I'm elevating myself. And I'm making myself feel better about me by exposing their failures and their weaknesses. And that's pride. And that's not love. So... Loving them is, is to look past that and choosing not to dwell on it or notice their faults at all. That's, that's covering it. So in Proverbs 10:12 it says that love covers a multitude of sins. That's what it means. When somebody offends us, when, when we look at them and, and they're not perfect and they have faults and they do things, we put that steregay love in, and we don't see it. It's covered. And we don't tell other people about it. In 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, Above all, keeping... Keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, recently I asked a couple people at my office to hold me accountable to this because I realized I've trained myself to do this, and, and you may have too. You, may, you don't even know that you're doing it, but when I see it, and when I've, as I've been listening about this love and realize this is what I'm doing, I ask them to hold me accountable. When you hear me do it, stop me. I don't, I don't want to do this, and I want to get better at it. The next thing, it says, Love believes all things. It takes the best and the kindest views of people in every circumstance as long as it's possible. So this is the opposite of what your sinful nature would do where we want to take somebody, we want to pull them down and we want to paint them with a dark brush and we want to take, look at the worst of them instead of thinking the best of them. But believing means all things that in regard to how other people behave when we're loving the way that Jesus loves We have a disposition that we look at the best and we say, you know what, I'm going to believe the best about you. I'm going to believe the best about your motives. That you're not doing things with bad motives. And loving this way believes these things unless there's evidence to the contrary. It's called giving them the benefit of the doubt. Next it says, hope loves or love hopes all things. So love looks for victory. Love looks for victory in other people and it looks for the good to win out in other people, for the truth to come out. And in the Bible, hope isn't just a wish. Hope is more than a wish. It's a confidence that God will do everything that he says. So in 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul started this whole, in 1 Corinthians 13, when he started the whole thing, he said this. He said, I hope that Christ will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, his hope for the people his confidence and hope for the people was one way that he was actually loving them. He believed the best about him. He was hoping for the best about him, And that was one way that he showed love. And lastly, it says that love endures all things. You know, you and me as a Christian, we're not exempt from hard times. We're not exempt from arguments. We're not exempt from struggles and failures and other people doing things that we just don't understand. But when love endures all things, it looks past that. It works through those patches, those patches of seasons and hard times. We get through it, and, and we don't give up on people. So love endures all things. So I th- when I look at these things and I think, do I understand these and how it works? Again, that 13-inch drop, it hasn't made it, but I hear about it. So I ask myself, how do I do it? Ever heard of the, the word game Wordle? <laughs> so Wordle is a new word game that I recently got on. And my son introduced it to me, and I see now everybody's doing it. So on the slide, it may not show it, but there's a grid of six lines coming down. And you're supposed to guess what a five-letter word is. So in the first line, you put your word in, and if there's any letters that belong in the word you're trying to guess, they'll highlight. And if they're in the right spot, they're green, and you get six chances to guess this word. Well, I realized that every day I do my own spiritual wordle. So the spiritual wordle goes kind of like this. If you go to the next slide, Randy. There's three boxes, and I put a thought, a feeling, and an emotion, and I base my actions off of this. So I'm going to give you an example. This past Tuesday night, I was at Lowe's, and I was getting a gallon of paint. And I I walked up to the paint department, and, and the gal that was working there saw me And we looked at each other. We made eye contact. And then she was mixing the gallon of paint for somebody. And she didn't greet me. She's sitting there mixing paint. And I waited. I waited. And it was, no kidding, a minute. And I'm still waiting. And I'm thinking of my sermon to you guys. And I'm going, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not rude. And I'm sitting there thinking of this. And we went into the second minute, and she still ignored me the whole time. And as I'm standing there, in this moment, I realized something that was taking place that I had never seen before. And it happens in so many of my actions with people, and I bet it's you too. So I reminded myself of this, and I want to share it with you. So many of you know that I'm in the security industry. I deal with Security equipment cameras and security systems and fire alarms and all that. And every so often we're called by the police to help out with solving a crime because our video system has recorded something. So there was a, a case where there was an armed robbery that turned into a murder of a couple of, of two people. And we were called to help the police try to get video off that would identify the person. So we looked at the video and we were able to take, get some video to get a, a, a small picture of the guy. That, that was involved in the crime. And hopefully you can see this, but if you go to the first slide there, Randy. So it's, it's a little dark, and we could get an outline of, of the guy, and we could see it was the guy, and he's, and he's holding a gun, he's got his hand out, and he's g- got this look on his face, and I'm not sure that you can see it because it was pretty dark, but we kept working on the picture and using technology to enhance it and to lighten it up, and we were able to get a little bit lighter, and we got to where we could make out his face and you'd see, he, he's yelling something, and, and he's, he's sweaty, and he's just, it looks like he's on something, probably strung out. But we noticed one thing, that we could make out a tattoo. And we wanted to be able to highlight the tattoo, so we zoomed in on the tattoo. And we thought, this could be helpful to the police. Um, and as we were doing that part of it, we realized something else. We got the picture a little wider and a little brighter, and then we realized that there was an accomplice. And the bottom left, you may not see it, but there's a guy crouched down next to him. Another accomplice, we don't know what position and what he's, what he's doing there, but we just kept working on this picture, trying to trying to bring more technology into the thing. And then we could see that he's a black man. He's got a, a smile, and he seems to be laughing at something. And we thought, this is twisted. You know, I don't get it. What, the other guy's yelling at the couple before he shoots them. This guy's smiling at something. It just it seemed off. We decided to keep going a little more to see if we could bring this into focus, and we did, and it, we finally got all the light and was able to get the whole picture. Oh, huh, well, that's weird. These are just two guys playing a video game, and uh, that's not a gun. You know what? I lied. I lied about the whole thing. You see, uh, what I was doing was feeding you a story. I was filling in your wordle, your spiritual wordle, with thoughts, feelings, and emotions about these two guys. And this is exactly what the enemy does to us. All he does is lie. All he does is bring to you and fill in those boxes. And then when I was standing at Lowe's in the paint department of all places, I was having a spiritual battle because the enemy was filling in those boxes for me. And he was saying... Isn't that girl kind of selfish that she's not talking to you and even acknowledging your presence? Isn't she kind of rude? (laughs) I mean, this is arrogant, isn't it? Isn't she an arrogant, selfish person? Equals, what are you going to do, Steve? What's your action going to be? And I realized on the backside, I'm thinking about my sermon and I'm thinking about my action that Jesus says, no, you're supposed to be patient. You're supposed to be kind. You're not supposed to be arrogant or rude. And I got this, this battle in the paint department at Lowe's going on where the enemy's filling in those boxes to me. And I realized, you know what? This happens all the time. All the time, the enemy is the first one to shout out what goes in those boxes about somebody. And then my action doesn't reflect love at all. And the truth is that when I get to know God, when I get to know my Savior. Jesus starts to fill in those boxes for me. And he starts to let more light in on the situation. And as I get more light on the on the situation and on the people and I start to see the whole picture, I start to see things through his eyes and it makes sense. But as a Christian, you and I are called and as Ed started this whole series off, it's an action. God says, "You know what I need from you? What I need from you first is to start with the action." I want you to love, and I want you to do it through kindness. I want you to be patient, I don't want you to be rude. Start there first, and as you get to know me, I'm going to backfill the other squares so that you'll understand why you're doing what you're doing. You know, it was just a pivotal moment for me to realize this about the way that God works. You know, we're able to love people by seeing through God's lens. And as we get to know God more, it starts to work back the other way. You know, I start to think sometimes I'll talk to people and say, how did you get the call to go to Africa? How did you get the call to go into this particular ministry? And where, where did that come from? I realize many people have already done this and they've gotten to know God to a level that what happens is God starts to give them the emotions, the compassion, the compassion the empathy, the love for people, and it reflects in their action of what they end up doing, their call to ministry. It's just the response to what God laid on their heart. But it's a process. It's a process. We start, you and I start, by at the back end, just being obedient, to have the action of love. You know, when Pastor Greg said this, he said, you know, you need to receive more of God's love. And, And I chewed on that the whole week. I thought... How do you do this? How Do I just receive more? Um, how do I receive more of God's love? So I crowdsourced it <laughs> at small group. The other night I asked my small group this question. I said, you guys, how do you receive more of God's love? How is that practical every day? And it was awesome. I have a, a great small group. They, they all jumped in. And one of the responses was, look, you got to stop and you have to see what has God done for me? How has God provided for me? And recognize His love through what He's done and how He loves me every day. Gratitude. Gratitude for His provision. Gratitude for everything that He's done day by day. And as I start to recognize this is how God's loved me, it puts it into a perspective that I can start to love other people. So practice gratitude. The second thing that came up was surrendering. You know, by each day, I start each day, I surrender my will to God. I'm not going to go through my day with my agenda. I'm going to go through it looking for God's will. And I'm going to step into that. And I'm going to surrender to Him. It's like, Lord, if you call me to do something, I'm going to surrender. And I'm going to step out in obedience. I don't have to have my way. We recognize God's love that way. And you know, sometimes loving other people, the way that God wants us to love, doesn't look in our word like we think it's going to look. For example... Maybe your child has gotten themselves into a financial situation and you're putting into the box by yourself, oh, I have empathy towards them. I have compassion for my child. The action must be, I'm going to go pay that debt for them and bail them out. And that's stepping outside of it where when we're truly listening to God and we're surrendering our will and we're stepping into this, God's going to say, yes, you got the empathy right. You got the compassion right. But the action, that's not the right action. I want restraint. I want to work with your child. I don't want you to bail them out. I want to work with them. They're mine. And you know, sometimes it looks a little different in that we may have a a friend or somebody that's doing something wrong. And God says, yes, you have the empathy. You have the compassion. You have the love for that person. But your action is to call them out to be a better person. And I want you to step into that. I want you to pray for them. I want you to talk to them about it. As we get used to doing this, It becomes more natural for us. You know, the next thing is by getting to know God better through studying His Word. As we get to know God, these things start to make more sense. It's like, oh, I recognize that characteristic of you, God. That's how you do things. Jesus, that's how you did it. Well, you know what? I'm going to practice doing it the way that you did it. But it only happens by getting to know God better through His Word. Next, start talking to God through the day. Talk to the Holy Spirit. Look for him throughout the day. As a challenging situation comes up, my paint department thing came right out of the blue. But it happens all the time. And what I could do is step back and say, you know what, God, I'm not feeling that in the three boxes yet. I don't have the empathy, compassion. I don't have that love yet. But what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? Do you want me to step back? Do you want me to just be kind? Do you want me to say a nice word an encouragement to the person? Like, look, I know you're busy. It's Okay. And backfill that. You know, as we talk to the Holy Spirit, if you ask him, I promise you he'll answer and he'll give you guidance. And lastly is recognize when the enemy's starting to fill that gap, when that anger starts to come to you, when that sou- the thought of just I'm upset or you've offended me, all those are where the enemy's starting to fill those gaps and he wants you to make the action that he's calling you to. God says, no, no, we're going to start with the action first. So realize we're not there yet. You guys, I'm not there. I'm trying, and I'm going to step out with my actions first. But you know what? Practice makes perfect. I look at the disciples. They didn't get this right. They didn't get it right. They struggled through it, but they kept going back, starting over again. Moses, he led thousands of people out in the desert, and he had to keep coming back to God and saying, these people are so so annoying. How do I do this, God? How do I love these people? And God would give him the direction and, and he developed the heart through him by practice. It's a transformation. We're all going through a transformation, but we start with practice every day. So next week, we're going to be looking more at the results and the consequences and how this plays out and the blessings and the fruit of doing all of this and learning really how to love, how to practically love people. But I have a suggestion that I'd like to challenge you with. For the next week, would you consider each day taking five minutes out and just reading First Corinthians 13. Let it sink in and let it work its way from that 13-inch drop to your head into your heart. Read God's Word. Read what Jesus calls us to do so that when you're called in the paint department, that, comes, that action comes to you first and we'll start working on it together. And as a church, I think we can be a lot better. I think we can, we can really be a shining light in this world and Lord knows we need it. So let's pray if we can. Father God, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you that you gave us practical instruction. Jesus, you, you were here on the earth and you lived it and you breathed it. You gave us a, a real example of how to do it, God. And we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for our congregation that as we're going through this, that it wouldn't just stay as head knowledge in this series, Lord, that it would just make that 13-inch drop into our hearts. Father, I pray that in this upcoming week as we Look into First Corinthians 13 and we read the chapter and we just see what you're calling us to. May it just seed itself deep inside our hearts. And Holy Spirit, when those moments come that you want us to act, I pray that you would just prompt us, just nudge our spirit, nudge our, our conscience, Lord. Help us to see it and that we would step out and go, you know what, my, my self has learned this way for so long to respond one way, but I'm going to respond the opposite way. Help us to get to the point that we see that we step out and that you'll backfill it and we'll see how you work and how you love. And we'll start to see people through your lens, Lord. We thank you for that. I ask for a blessing on my brothers and sisters this week. I pray for testimonies, Lord. I pray for, for people to come and say, you know what? I gave it a shot. And you know what? The most amazing thing happened. As we start to see your children, Lord, through your lens, and that they're not perfect. God, that you may say, I want you to respond with a kind word because that, that woman is my daughter. And I'm working on her heart. She's a a work in process. That man who's so arrogant that you see, he's lost. He's lost and he's my child and I'm working on him. And I just need you to come alongside me and speak a word of encouragement, show him a little love. I pray, God, that we would start to see this and see it through your lens and that we would respond accordingly, Lord. So thank you for loving us first. Thank you, God, we receive your love that you've given us. We look around, we have gratitude for all that you've done for us, for calling us, Lord, for being patient with us, for putting up with us, Lord. All the things that you do, God is love. God is not easily angered. God is not jealous. God is kind. God does not put on airs. All those things, that's who you are, God. You are love, and I thank you for that. So we give you praise. In your holy name we pray, amen. Unshoveling, blowing. Digging out, making snowmen, having hot chocolate. Whatever you're doing, enjoy this day because you're blessed. Amen.